I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you this morning from God our Father, his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. Since Easter Sunday, we have been observing the past few Sundays as the Sundays after Easter, except for Mother's Day, when, which was last Sunday when we celebrated mothers. The reason why we observe these six Sundays as Sunday after Easter is to remind ourselves of the things our Lord did in that 40 days period before ascending into heaven. We remind ourselves of those days because the last words spoken by a loved one before departure can be very meaningful, can be very meaningful. And, and so on Good Friday, matter of fact, we, 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 we celebrate uh, the cross and what Jesus did on the cross on Good Friday is a commemoration of that. We speak the seven words of the cross uh, that Jesus spoke on the cross while he was there. We remind ourselves of what those last words were as we gather on Good Fridays. So in this last 40 days, between his resurrection and his ascension, he spoke and did things that the church thinks need to be reflected on. And so one of those events was when he gathered his friends, or disciples, and told them what would happen after he took off for heaven. As we can see from John 13, they had already been saddened by the news of his leaving. He had told them he was going to be leaving them. And they were saddened by that news. And then in verse 14 of John, he tells them to stop grieving and that his leaving was important. He, I'm going, he says, to prepare a place for you. And this is why it is needful that I leave you so that I would go and prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you too will be also. And so it's important that I leave. And in verse 15, he tells them, I am leaving you, but at the same time, I am not leaving you. I am leaving you, but at the same time, I'm not leaving you. He says, I am with you. I am in you. As he speaks these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. He is speaking precisely about the unity that we have in him. That even though I'm leaving, but I am not leaving you, I will be with you always. And so he gives this illustration using the vine and the branches to explain to us what this unity is like. And so Jesus says, I'm not leaving. Now in verse 16, in our gospel text this morning, Jesus tells us how this is all uh, going to happen. How he is leaving us and yet is going to still be here with us. The whole plan was for them not to miss his presence even after he was gone. The whole plan was so that they would understand that even though he has ascended, but he is still with them, that they will feel his presence, sense his presence, hear him as he speaks day by day. 
So the question comes to you, have you ever thought of how wonderful it would have been to have lived when Jesus walked on the earth, to touch him, to talk to him, and, 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 and ask him questions, and just fellowship with him as the disciples did? Do you sometimes think about what it would have been like? Do you think that you miss up on something when you think about it? The, the mere fact that you weren't there to really feel him, touch him, talk to him. But if I told you that it is better today than it was then, would you believe that either? It is better today than it was that time. And permit me to explain why I say so. Jesus said in John 16 verse 7, that it is for your good that I am going away. It is for your good that I am going away. Away In John 14, verse 12, he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes, <coughs> sorry, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So here in the text, it's telling us that as he leaves, it will give us the ability to do greater works after he leaves. So it is good that he goes because when he leaves, it will give us the ability to do greater works than the works the disciples did while he was on the earth with them. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Note that word forever. That's the Holy Spirit. He didn't come for time. He didn't come for just a season to be in our lives, but he comes to be with us, listen, forever. What that means is the Holy Spirit is never going to leave you even after you leave the earth. And after we go into heaven, he is still going to be with us. This is a friend. This is a companion that God has given us that is never, ever, never, never, ever going to leave us. This morning, you might be in here in church going through some circumstances and situations that may make you think that God is not with you. You're asking the question, but God, where are you? I want to say to you this morning that no matter what you are going through right now, you have to understand that the Spirit of God is with you and will be with you always, no matter what happens in this life. He has come to live with you forever from the day he took residence in you. Give God a hand of praise for that. He is with us forever, the spirit of truth, Jesus says he is. The world cannot accept him because uh, it, it neither see him nor know him, knows him. But you know him, he says, for he lives with you and will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. Today I would like to share with you three ministries of the Holy Spirit that, that make it better. That he is here while Jesus is in heaven. Why it is better that the Holy Spirit is here and Jesus is in heaven, I'm going to give you three reasons why it makes it all the better. The first is the Holy Spirit syncretizes us. The Holy Spirit syncretizes us. In John 16 verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, now bear. Now, notice that his presence in us syncs us with heaven and enables us to grasp 
a better understanding of the mind of God. And that's why the Holy Spirit had to come because he sings us with heaven and gives us a better understanding of the mind of God. When Jesus is on the earth, he tried to, to explain many things to the disciples that they could not comprehend, they couldn't understand it. But the Holy Spirit comes and he clarifies it he makes it clear, he verifies it, he brings it to light and life inside of us while he lives with us. And today we understand things that the early disciples did not understand when Jesus was walking and living on the earth with them. And that's why Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Now bear, why? Because at the time when he said these words, they were with him and the Holy Spirit had not come in them to be able to empower them and enable them to understand the things of God. So he says that you cannot bear them now. Uh, so to give an example of this, look at your cell phone. All of you have cell phones. And you see, you have cell phones with you, but what the cell phone does is to take a little chip and to put it into that cell phone. And once the chip enters the cell phone, what happens is all of your information is downloaded into this cell phone because they have placed a chip that has all your information on it into the cell phone. And now you can communicate and do everything that you need to do. But if you take out the chip out of the cell phone, it becomes almost useless even though it's yours. It's the same thing with us, human beings. Without God, we cannot understand the things of God. Without God, we cannot do the things of God. And this is the reason why God allowed his spirit to come and abide inside of us. It's just like that chip that is placed in your cell phone. And that Holy Spirit brings the information from God to us. And that's why Jesus says that he's not going to tell you anything apart from what the Father and the Son has said. When the Spirit of God speaks, he speaks the mind of the Trinity. He doesn't speak outside of the Trinity. He does not come and abide in us and then agree with our own humanistic ideas. He does not do that. He does not come here and try to be very partial with what he does. Everything he does is from God to us. And that's why it is so important that he endures every Christian who comes uh, to faith in Jesus Christ. But before the Holy Spirit comes in, the whole idea about God in heaven was only limited to our human abilities. That's as far as it got. And in, in our humanness, we can't bear it, and we can't comprehend it. And the information is all natural, and, 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 and it, is, it is hard to understand it, because while we are using our own natural minds to comprehend God. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2, verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are designed or discerned only through the Spirit. And so that's why the man who sits outside of the church, who does not understand what's happening inside the church, will criticize and question everything that is happening inside the church. He becomes very skeptical about what we do. He looked at the bread and the wine and said, what is this? 
This doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing this? He looks at the water of baptism and he criticizes it. He criticizes everything because you're using the natural mind to comprehend a God that is so big that you cannot go around. A God that is so high, you can go above. A God that is so low, you can get under, but yet you're trying to, uh, to comprehend him. And this is why they will question everything, everything, and I mean everything because they are, they are operating in the natural minds, all right? So, so God brings his Holy Spirit inside of us, and he sinks us with heaven. And so that, that the abilities that we need now, we have it because why? Greater is he that lives inside of us than he who is in the world. Give God a hand of praise this morning. So the Holy Spirit syncretizes us. He doesn't only syncretizes us, but the Holy Spirit sensitizes us. Let's see how he does this. In John 16, verse 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. Yeah, you go. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Here, is the text, here the text suggests to us that the Holy Spirit comes and makes sense of heaven to us. Time and time again, Jesus had to explain himself over and again to, uh, to his disciples uh, they, they, because they wouldn't grasp all of what he was saying. Every time he said a parable, parable they would go and start questioning the parable uh, amongst themselves. What did he mean about this? And what did he mean about that? Even in this gospel text this morning, we find them confused over the statement he made that a little while I'll be with you and then a little while I'll not be with you. And then they went and, went and, and started questioning that. What does he mean about a little while and a little while? But when the Holy Spirit gets in or got in them, you see the entire story changed. The entire story about their lives changed. And matter of fact, things that Jesus spoke to them years and years past, they were able to comprehend it now that the Spirit of God was in them. So in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, Paul writes these words. These are, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So nobody will know God's mind or understand God's thought without them having the spirit of God in them who is God as well. So do you know that this same spirit is in you this morning as you sit in church? Oh yeah, all you have to do is activate him. Activate the spirit of God. He is in every Christian, every person who has come to faith, he is in us. But the problem is we have not activated him to see his power, to understand his will, and see his doings. We have not activated the Spirit of God in us. And you ask me, how do you do that? How do you activate the Spirit of God? Well, here are the ways. First, read your Bible intentionally. Read your Bibles intentionally. You have to understand God's Word, and the Spirit of God is not going to work outside of what you already have inside of you. He wants to work with us, but he's going to work with the information that we have already received. So if a person says, I am not going to attend any Bible class, I don't need it. 
I don't need it. I'm just going to go to church on Sunday, worship God, and go home, and that'll be it. That's just as dry as your Christian faith is going to be. You're not going to claim any higher than that. And the Spirit of God is only going to use the little information that you have to do anything that he's going to do in and with you. And this is why it is essential, it is necessary, it is very important that every Christian, every Christian come and learn God's Word. Open your Bibles and study the Word of God. The next way to activate the Holy Spirit is by prayer. You have to pray intentionally. You don't only read the Bible intentionally, but you have to pray to God intentionally because prayer is one of the access way to heaven. And that's the way we access heaven through prayer. God had commanded us to pray. Scripture tells us that man ought always to pray and not faint. We need to pray and continuously pray. And this is why our church emphasizes these things. We have Bible studies during the week. We pray on Wednesday nights. We pray on Zoom. And we encourage everybody to come on and let us pray to God together. Fellowship with the believers intentionally. You have to do that. Fellowship together. There are some Christians today who are saying that the church is not where I want to be. They say that the church is a place where a bunch of hypocrites are. So what they would do is I would stay home and I would do church on the television. This is not biblical. It is not scriptural. God is saying to us to come together intentionally. The Bible tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says, Do not forsake the assembling together as one another, of one another as many have done in these last days. In these last days, many have walked away from the faith. One, many have walked away from the church, and they have made up their own church in their own minds, in their own way. But God has a way that he wants us to do it, and he has made a, and placed a command in his word, and whenever you see the word, the phrase, do not, that's a command from God. God said, do not, and we should not. We should always come together in fellowship and constantly do that because it is through the church coming together that God does wonders. You have to understand that the church is the body of Christ. So if anybody says, I don't want to be in the church, you are denying the body of Christ. That's what you're doing. You're denying the body of Christ. You're rejecting the body of Christ by not coming to assemble together. You see, it is very important because this is where we grow and we get stronger and stronger together. I do understand. I do understand that human beings are very difficult to deal with. I understand that very well. And you see, if the church did not have people in it, the church would be a good place to be. But unfortunately, the church has to have people in it because Jesus came to die for people. So there is absolutely no way that you can separate yourself from the church. You have to also understand, uh, folks, that uh, as you come to church, you will meet some people that will get on your nerve. But you cannot get away because you have to keep your eyes on the cross because that's where Jesus is. He says, why? Why we run this race in Hebrews 12? Keep your eyes, he said, on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of the faith. He didn't tell you put your eyes on the pastor. He didn't tell you put your eyes on a friend. He didn't tell you put your eyes on a brother in the church's sister. He says, keep your eyes on Christ. 
Because if you don't keep your eyes on Christ, listen, man will cause you to fall. People will make you to fall away from the faith. And we don't want that to happen. So we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Give God a hand of praise. Yeah, so now we talked about the Holy Spirit, how he syncretizes us, how he sensitizes us. Lastly, let's talk about how the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. How he does that. In John 16, verse 14, he says, He will glorify me because it is for me that he will, he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said, the, Holy, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, what the Holy Spirit does here is this. He brings back in us that image that was distorted in the Garden of Eden. When the Spirit of God comes inside of you and me, he brings back that image that was distorted We're back in the Garden of Eden, the the image that God created mankind with. In Genesis 1.26, it says, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. It tells us that God made us in his image and after his own likeness. The word image is not talking about physical appearance. It's not talking about physical appearance. Man is flesh and God is spirit. It cannot be talking about a physical appearance. It's talking about instead a spiritual appearance of God that has been placed inside of mankind. The word image from the Latin expression is referring to God's presence in mankind is what it is talking about. We have a spirit and God is a spirit. And in order for man to identify or relate to God, it has to be a spiritual relationship that is going on at that time. And so the evil one knew that when he came in the Garden of Eden and, and he fooled man and made man to eat of the tree that God told him not to eat of. And instantly when we did that, the spirit of man died. And so the connection and the relationship with God was distorted, it was destroyed. And that's the reason why when Adam heard God coming in the garden, he hit himself because the natural man cannot stand in the presence of God. His spirit had died and he could not stand in the presence of God. So he hid from the appearance of God at that moment. The Bible tells us in Genesis 2 for 7, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathe into his nostrils the, man, the breath of life, the breath of life. Listen, that breath of life. And man became a living being. The word breath of life is talking about God's spirit that he breathed into us. This image, the, 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 this image died in the garden when God breathed into man, man's spirit life. Man's spirit died in the garden and it was this image of God that, in, that was in us that enables us to rule creation, to possess creation, and to keep creation intact. It was that spirit that was defiled. Uh, that, that, human, hum, that image died when, when man's spirit died that day. The Holy Spirit came to restore that. All right? He came back to restore that, that spirit because in order for us to communicate with God, that spirit has to be alive inside of us. Man's spirit got to be alive to create, uh, uh, to, to, to communicate with a God who is spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit came in us. Now listen to this. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. They're having this conversation and, and talking about life. And then Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3 verse 3, except a man is born again. Listen to the word again. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Except a man is born. If for something to be born again, it means it was first born before. All right? And so man died before. And now the Holy Spirit comes in to bring back that life. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He talked to Nicodemus that except a man is born again. That means we were once alive. And we died. And now the Holy Spirit comes to bring back that life. So the Holy Spirit comes in and regenerates our spirit. And we can not respond and relate to God. And as we allow our spirit to be fed and led by the Holy Spirit, then appears heaven on earth. And how does that happen? When a baby is born in the, in the, in the hospital, the baby cries for food. There are inborn tendencies in the baby. So the same with a Christian who is truly born again. When that spirit gets alive, I am telling you, that spirit will start to look for the things of the spirit. Just like your flesh, when your physical self was born into this world, nobody had to tell you now you need to get hungry. Here's how you get hungry. Nobody told you that. Nobody told you you need to cry for food when you're hungry. It's an inborn tendency. The baby cried for food and was nursed so that it will get nourished. And throughout the time of our life on the earth, we had to keep on eating to live. Okay? And that's the same with the spirit. We have a spirit inside of us. And in order for the spirit to be alive, for us to understand and communicate with God, the spirit that God has brought alive in us has to constantly be in contact with heaven and the Holy Spirit who is here in us to enable us to activate us to do and respond to the will of God in our lives. And that's why in Galatians 5, Paul says what? Walk in the spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is another hour's sermon. I'm not going to preach that. But I'm just trying to tell you that God wants us to walk in the spirit because your spirit now is alive. He's telling you that your spirit is alive now. So walk in it. When we neglect the spirit, it becomes malnourished. All right? It cannot function because it, it's, it does not understand God. It, it's not relating to God because we're not allowing it to do that. So God, as we listen to this, this story, this, to this message this morning, I pray that it will inspire our hearts to understand why the Spirit of God is in us and why he is in the church. But many times you see Christians with no desire for the Lord. Yet they're coming, but there is no desire in them to grow. There is no desire in them for Bible studies, prayer meetings. And they assume that, that, that by, by some random chance, God is just going to do this miracle and it's going to all work out. No, no, you have a part to play. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He is not just coming to do it for us while we sit there and stare. He is a helper. The Bible says he is, the, the, the Greek word paraclete means the one that walks alongside us. He helps us in the time of need. But if, how can you be helped if you're doing nothing? All right? 
You will not be helped if you are not doing anything. You got to be doing something so that the Holy Spirit will help you in it. So get up and get to Bible studies. Get up and get to prayer meeting. Get up and get to church on Sunday. Get up and do service for the Lord. And as you do it, the paraclete, who is the Holy Spirit, will walk alongside you and help you in a time of need. We pray that these words from God this morning would encourage your hearts, keep you steadfast in your faith always, knowing always that he will never bring you this far and leave you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. It's now time for us.